Well, this morning we're going to continue our series called Everyone Matters. And uh, we're going to do things a little bit different today. In just a moment, we're going to talk about sacrifice, but I'm going to have some people come up and help me. As we talk about Everyone Matters, I've, I've mentioned to you the last couple of weeks that uh, this really is a lofty goal of ours. Uh, it's a priority for us at Crossroads. And from time to time, I've uh, uh, received criticism uh, or questions. Pastor, how can you uh, possibly accomplish this? How can you even as a church make this your, your statement? Because, uh, and a lot of times it goes along this line of thinking, um, if everyone matters and, and you stand for everything, you really don't stand for anything, do you? Um, we've been known as that church. We've been known as, um, yeah, I won't get into some of the, the titles we've been given, but at the same time, we take some heat for it, and that's okay. Uh, it doesn't really worry me or it doesn't matter to me. Uh, what matters to me is that we're hearing from the Lord and we're following through on what He has for us and where our mission and mandate is that He's given us. It's really why I'm here, it's why my family's here, and I believe a big part of that is why you're here. There's something different. I, I, I hear that so often, people coming into church for the first time, they say, I don't know what it is, there's just something different here. And I really believe it's uh, the person and work of the Holy Spirit um, empowering us, and there's just a, a rawness to it, being able to stand there and say, you know what, God, we want to move as you direct us and lead us. And so we're nimble, um, we're active, and uh, I'm really thankful to the Lord for that. Well, over 30 years of ministry, I have uh, sadly officiated at, at many funerals. Uh, many funerals, and there's a couple of observations that I have each time I do a funeral. One is that there's, a, always, there's always an element of grief, of sorrow, and many, many times in places there's pain, and uh, that goes hand in hand with a funeral. There's another uh, observation that I have every time I do a funeral, and that is that, that, that there's a new reality for that family, a new normal, if you would, uh, no matter how young or old the person who's passed away is, there's, there's a, a missing piece to the family. And moving forward, as the family begins to, to look ahead, there, there, this recognition that this is the new normal. Well, in some ways, this is what takes place in Genesis 3. As God created the world to be perfect and to be uh, uh, as he set it out to be, Sin enters the world and immediately things change. Immediately there is a new normal moving forward. It's not what God had intended, but it's reality. It's what has gone on. A curse has come over the world. Uh, it, scripture talks about a, a, a curse coming over the woman. A curse coming over man. Uh, a curse even being placed on the ground, so much so that the, the ground that we till today and we plant and we sow from and we reap from, there's a curse on it, so much so that that land is difficult to plant and to harvest. That's a result of the curse. Scripture says that even the, the serpent was cursed. So there's a new reality. You see, we live in a broken world and things don't work as they should. 
It's, it's important to, to remember, and it's important to, to uh, keep in mind when we consider this world that we live in. It doesn't function the way it was intended to function. There's pain, there's suffering, there's loss and grief. Last week we talked about shame and, and fear and, and even anger. This was not God's plan. This is not what he in, had intended. Uh, I think back even the last uh, uh, two or three months here at Crossroads. Um, there's a couple of families related to uh, uh, families here in Crossroads uh, at 32 weeks of pregnancy, um, two babies uh, have passed away. Uh, just recently, a six-week-old, once again, related to family in our church here, a six-week-old baby passed away. That's not God's plan. That's not God's plan. And, and I tell you when, when you, when you stand in front of a family and, and they're hearing things like, well, God just needed another angel, you say, no. No, God did not need your baby as another angel. So just put that out of the equation. Well, God has a, has a purpose and a plan. Well, yes. But let me tell you right here and right now that God's heart breaks. This is not what God had intended. When God breathed life into Adam, when God breathed life into Eve, when God created mankind, humanity in his image, this isn't what he intended. He didn't intend for your pain and for your suffering, for your sorrow. He didn't intend for broken relationships. This was never God's intent. Now, can he redeem and reconcile and make good? Yes. But this was never God's intent. This was never God's plan. When sin entered the world, God's heart broke. When Adam and Eve felt the weight of sin, God's heart broke. When you and I feel the weight and the presence of the junk and the pain and the frustration of life, God's heart breaks. I want us to consider a different perspective a different perspective on things. You see, the lens we look through colors and defines the framework of our heart. And as a result, I believe it sways our actions and our attitudes. It sways our beliefs. Let me give you an example. If we believe that people are from an arbitrary origin and there's no significant purpose to life, then our response is simply one of indifference and apathy. We have a nonchalant approach to others. There's no value in our words and our deeds. If we believe that people are in full control of their deeds and fully responsible for their desires and, and their destinies, then we expect success. We expect perfection. We expect them to move from A to B to C to D and so on without interruptions. Failure is therefore a misconduct, a purposeful neglect. It's being irresponsible. And our response becomes one of assessment. And we typically land with resentment and anger, even rejection. You contrast that with a different perspective, though. A different perspective. 
You see, if we believe that people are created in the image of God, that changes our attitudes and our actions. We value and love and we reach out with care and compassion. If we believe that people are under the attack of the evil one, bound by sin and cannot rise out of that or above that or get away from that on their own account or on their own efforts, we have a premise and a framework for grace. An explanation for the universality of sin. This intense hold that sin has on each and every one of us. And when we do that, I believe we peek into another realm. We peek into God's perspective. And we get to see things from His side of the equation. And it provides an impulse for our actions. I'd like you to turn to Matthew chapter 9. You can put a finger in there and then also Mark chapter 1. But in Matthew chapter 9, I come back to this verse so often. Jesus is in his ministry and and as he was often, he was in a, a scene or a scenario, a setting where he's being pressed in by these crowds all around him. And here, in another one of those settings, it says in verse 36 of Matthew 9 that when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless. I believe this is a, a, a picture of how God sees each and every one of us. This is a, a hint for us to have a different perspective, a God perspective, not only on ourselves, but on others around us. Over in Mark 1, verse 40, Jesus comes face to face with a leprous man, a man who couldn't help himself, a man who was on the outcast of society, a man who, was, who had to yell unclean everywhere he went so people could steer clear from him. And Jesus comes face to face with this man and it says that in verse 40, and a leper came to Jesus beseeching him and falling on his knees before him and saying, if you're willing, you can make me clean. He's begging Jesus for a solution to his problem. And I want us to look at this next verse, verse 41. And once again, get a a picture of how Jesus sees people in predicaments of sin and predicaments of suffering and pain and living in a world and in a way that was never intended from the very beginning. It says there, moved with compassion, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. And just leave it there for a second. When we look at that word moved with compassion, or those words moved with compassion, we just kind of flow over them. We run over them, but, but if you look into what that word truly means, there's a Greek word, orgidzo, and this Greek word orgidzo is the word for moved, and look at what it means. Orgidzo means anger forced, anger forced. Jesus looks at this man, has compassion on him, and yet this anger wells up inside of him. Why? Because here is a man in the image of God suffering in a way that his father 
never intended. God never intended for that man to suffer. Was God able to heal him? Yes. Was God able to change and redeem? And yes, but in that moment, it says that there was great anger. Why? Because sin was dealing its blow over and over and over and over again on God's people, those who were created in His image. Anger forced. This is reflecting the heart of the Father. It's a reflection on the Father. Over in 2 Corinthians 5, Paul lands the plane with the Corinthians, and I believe he he encourages us to get these God glasses on as well. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14, Paul says, for Christ's love compels us. It urges us, it pushes us, it nudges us to the point where we can't do anything else because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Now look at verse 16. So as a result of what he's just said, from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. This is an encouragement that Paul has to the church to say, you know what, take off your worldly glasses and put on the God glasses and see other people around you from his perspective rather than from a worldly perspective. You know, it's so easy to point the finger and say, oh, that person and that person, and oh, why can't that person do it? Oh, what happened? Oh, oh, poor person, oh, you know. But when we put on those God glasses, we begin to see others the way he sees. That changes things. The playing field changes. We're called to have a God perspective, to look through lenses that move our heart and affects our response. I shared this quotation with you last week. It comes from the founder of the Samaritan's Purse. His name is Bob Pierce. I believe it kind of sums up what we're talking about this morning. His prayer was, let my heart, Lord, be broken with the things that break your heart. Let my heart feel what your heart feels. I believe that begins when we start to see the way God sees. That's the only way our heart can truly feel what his heart feels. Well, there are a number of, uh, you, obviously you see some chairs up here. I, I have some uh, gentlemen who are gonna come up and help me and I'm inviting our elders to come up here. Um, we, had, uh, we get talking uh, almost weekly um, just about ministry. We get... Uh, talking about uh, messages as I'm either preparing them or kind of after the fact. And uh, as we got talking about Everyone Matters, uh, we got talking about the church, obviously, and the priorities of Crossroads. 
Uh, there's six of us elders, and um, I get to benefit each week from conversations with these guys, whether it's text, uh, email, phone calls. Um, and it's amazing. I love hearing their perspective on things, uh, a different perspective from the way I see things and hear things. And uh, I thought this morning would be a great opportunity for us on this subject, and uh, we're just going to kind of go um, off the grid a little bit, and uh, we really have, I was going to say no agenda, there's a little bit of agenda, just so we're not here at four o'clock this afternoon. Um, but I've asked these guys to come up and join me, and um, we're going to talk about this a little bit, just kind of a, a round table, even though we don't have a round table uh, in front of us, but... Uh, um, Hopefully, you guys will uh, just pick up on the heart of Crossroads, which we truly believe is a heart after God, uh, hearing from Him what it looks like for us as individuals and us as a church uh, moving forward. So let's start there, and I think maybe Jason and Todd, uh, you guys have been around a lot longer than any of the rest of us, but um, when, when you guys hear everyone matters, um, what does it mean to you guys? And then we'll kind of just go from there, and if anyone else wants to chime in. But uh, everyone matters. We can tell by looking at Todd, he's been around longer than me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> they plan those setups all the time. You see what I got to work with each and every week? I think a lot of times as a church, we we overcomplicate things. You know, we draw lines in the sand, we look for, we get defensive, whether it's between us and each other, or between us and other churches, or between believers and non-believers, and we look for how can we prove that we're right. And, and when I read scripture, and what Jesus says about how everyone matters, which for me, one place where he described it and gave us a good roadmap of what that looks like is Matthew 25. He really keeps it simple. He tells us to love God and to love each other. In Matthew 25, one of the cool things this church did when this building was built was before the walls were put up, uh, those things that are in there for non-construction people like me, I think they're called studs. We walked around and we wrote scripture on there. And Matthew 25, those verses are something that my family wrote because we believe that this is foundational to this church and, and what Jesus describes there is something that we have seen this church do and it's at the heart and the foundation of this church and we want that to continue. It says, hit the wrong button. In verses, <laughs> I do need help all the time. It says in verses 31 through 40, when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. And then when they say, when did we do this? He says, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. And then he goes on and describes the other group that he separates uh, who did not do those things. And this tells me a couple of important things. Number one, people 
are at the very heart of God. He keeps it simple to love him, love others. He wants us to care for each other, not spend our time building up our own little kingdoms and empires and worrying about how we can take care of ourselves, but how can we use the things he's given us, whether it's finances or gifts or talents or time, to turn around and bless those around us. And, and the second thing that's, that's really important to see there is he doesn't describe the types of people we should help, those who are willing to help themselves, those who deserve it. There's nothing about that in there, including those who are in prison. And I think number one, that tells us it's not about whether they deserve it, it's just about the things that we can control. And number two, it's a reminder that no matter what the circumstances are of those people that we're helping, whether they're in prison, wherever they are in their life, that God hasn't given up on them and God can continue to use them. And our job is simply to do what we can control and then let God worry about the rest. And one, one quick story I didn't share in the first service because a lady that was in the first service came and, and talked to me between services and I'm really glad she did. There's a couple of us that are involved in an organization that tries to help people either stay out of homelessness or um, avoid it if they're on the verge of it. And this is someone we'd helped a couple of years ago. And she shared with me that when we, when we helped her, there was still a lot of stuff she had to go through. She relapsed with drugs sometime after we helped her. I hadn't seen or heard from her in months, but she was here today. And she said that now she's been clean for a year She's on the verge of becoming a sponsor and a mentor in both Celebrate Recovery and Narcotics Anonymous. And, you know, because we just simply helped her and we didn't ask questions, we didn't judge her. She said, I still had to go through some stuff and I still had a lot of failures after that and she probably will going forward, but God is now using her in a place where she is because of that story in her past. And she just wanted to say thank you for just helping her where she was at that time. And, and to me, that's kind of what we're talking about when we say that's everyone good. matters. Yeah. <clears throat> to me, whatever, when we say everyone matters, it goes back to sort of some things that God almost forced on uh, some people that were meeting in our living room. And uh, there was uh, a life group that had about 15, 20, 15 people in it, uh, many of which were new believers or adults who were baptized when they were 12 and came back to maybe consider God being involved in their lives in their 30s. And uh, uh, the, uh, some things went kind of haywire with the church. Uh, we weren't really under that umbrella anymore. Uh, Lee Harrington, the very elderly bald guy that plays the bass. Uh, he and I, uh, uh, although the sad part is I think I'm about now I'm about the age he was then. Uh, but uh, we, uh, uh, man, I'm, I'm lawyering. I'm raising little kids or helping raise little kids. And I'm thinking, I don't, I ain't got time for this. And uh, Lee's, I guess, statute of limitations run. He's driving bombs around the, war, around the United States in the back of a, a government tracked van. And uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> And, uh, and he doesn't really have time over it. He's gone. So uh, long story short, uh, uh, he and his wife and me and my wife, we went to Kirby's one night and said, man, what are we going to do with this? Because frankly, I wanted to do it. I just wanted to disband and say, I'll go find a church uh, w more than Lee did. And, uh, uh, and we talked and we said, well, let's just kind of see about meeting next week uh, at, my, at our house, living room. And, uh, and we did. And and what the kind of the 
the motivation uh, that, that was at that dinner was uh, there's a lot of people in this small group that have come back to something that they found to be authentic, mm -hmm. that they were allowed to be themselves, uh, and people loved them. And we tried to do some Acts chapter 2, <clears throat> committed to the Word of God, uh, caring for each other, sell your things as those are in need. And uh, there was one lady in there who... Uh, uh, Two kids, didn't have much money. Car broke down, no transportation. In that group, there was a, a person who uh, could do mechanic work, a person who could find a, a good car for a good price and some people who had the ability to pay. And uh, we got her a car. Little did we know at that point in time, did anybody know other than God? Because remember, we're just kind of doing what God leads us to do. And uh, uh, she gets a car, well, she's got a, quote, mean sister who uh, had been burned by the church who wanted no part of God because of some, some pain in her life. Well, this lady invites her to our small group and she comes miraculously and uh, walks out, goes, gets in the car. She's mad. I walk out after her, uh, talk to her, invite her to come back in. And uh, she was mad and I was kind of afraid because she was mean then. And uh, <laughs> she, uh, uh, she tells her sister, uh, uh, did nobody tell him I'm mean? And she said, yeah, but I don't think he cares. And, uh, and frankly, I didn't. Uh, but long story short, uh, her sister then comes to a church where uh, she was 13 to 42 using drugs, comes, takes communion with shakes. She'd gotten clean. Uh, gets mascara on my white linen shirt. And uh, the... Uh, and her life changed forever. So those three sisters then, uh, they walk out, and one of their husbands is now one of the leaders in the biker church over here in Chico. Yeah. And the interesting part to me, when everyone matters, you don't know, there's, you have no idea what God's gonna do with one little step. That's right. And, and the, the one other thing and, uh, uh, that I wanna say is, when we say everyone matters, uh, it's, it's easy to think of that as someone who's having troubles. And that's not the case. Because, I mean, I'm a 50-year-old white guy that makes a little bit of money. 54. <laughs> what? I'm 54. This, is, this is how our meetings go all the oh, time. No. They just, I'm a 50-ish. I walk out and get a coffee. Like, and yeah. you know, they, 54. Uh, 54. Uh, so here's what I like, though, is that regardless of where you've come from, whether the world values it or doesn't value it, I have some friends similarly situated to me that love coming here because they don't get treated like they get treated everywhere else mm -hmm. by a world standard. Yep. You just get to be one of the folk. That's right. And uh, so that's what uh, every, everyone matters uh, generally means to me. Um, just as I was thinking about this, uh, scripture came to me and it's out of uh, Galatians 5. 
And it says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. And uh, I think that's when everyone matters uh, in my life. I think it's just wherever I'm at, I think it's, I know the, I guess the title day is sacrifice. And I think the biggest thing, it's, it's us sacrificing our time. And mm-hmm. I'm probably the world's worst of running by things, running over things. Just, I got yeah. stuff to do today. I got to get it done. And there's so many times I'll pass people that I'll see that are maybe, I can just tell there's something's going on. Maybe they're hurting. Maybe they're just, they're, they just look down or something. I don't know. Maybe you pass somebody that's holding a sign that's just needing something. Yeah. And I just feel that internally saying some, something inside of me going, you need to stop and help those people. Yeah. And, what, and what I can't stand is when I'm like, I don't have time. I got to keep going. Yeah. And that's, that's not who I am. That's not who I want to be. Mm-hmm. And I want to be, and I want us as a church to be somebody that when we see people, we take the time, we sacrifice, we might slow down traffic so we can stop and pull over to the side to talk to somebody or we're in a store and we have our list and our things we got to get done. But we say, okay, this person and what's going on is more important. Because we all want to, you know, we always want these little things we can check off to do. Mm -hmm. And right here in the scripture, it says, you know what, you can fulfill it all if you'll just love one another, love your neighbor as yourself. And I know if I was that way, if I was struggling, if I was hurting, I sure would want somebody to stop and talk to me. And the other day, uh, a friend of mine in the community, he's actually a pastor at another church, was asking, how, how's your things going with going, getting to Ireland and everything? I was telling about some visa problems we were having, or not really problems, just the struggle of visas in another country. And I just asked him to pray about it. And most of the time, you know, we always go, okay, I'll pray. And we just walk away. He goes, well, let's just pray right now. So we just gather out there in the middle of Fuzzy's uh, taco shop and we just start praying, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, that's just taking time. I mean, it wasn't 30 seconds, but it's him saying, you matter. And what God has called your family to matters. And so I'm going to take time to pray for that. And that's what I believe everyone matters is about. Yeah, it's a matter of allowing ourselves to be inconvenienced. Um, how does that play out? Monday, uh, you know, it's, it, it preaches well on Sunday, but how, does it, how do we live it out? You know, the, the image that comes to me is I remember going to my, my grandparents' house uh, for meals and my grandmother had this, this long table, but what she would do is uh, she had name tags for everyone. You know, I mean, she's my grandmother. Surely she knows my name, right? <laughs> but she has a name tag, and she would, she would put a name tag at everyone's plate, and that's where you're supposed to sit. And there were times when I would bring friends over to her house, sometimes invited, sometimes uninvited, but they got a name tag too. And there was always... I don't, I don't know where they came from, but there was always another chair to pull up to the table. Wow. There was always extra name tags in a drawer that she would pull out and she would write names on there and she would put them at a place. And there was no, there was no prerequisites that you had to have to sit at the table. Um, there was no test. I, I, know, I know my grandparents' views on life back then. I knew their views on church. And I can promise you that most of my friends and myself would not have passed their <laughs> tests. But then th- there was none of that. It was, you're here and you got a place at the table. Yeah. And, you know, for, for years there's been this debate on uh, if, if we're going to bring people into our circle of influence, 
do, do they have to believe what I believe to belong to what I belong to? Or do they belong and along that path, maybe we'll come to some sort of agreement in what we believe on. And, and I believe very heavily towards the latter of we invite people into our circle of influence. We invite people in to belong. And there's no pre- prerequisites for do they believe like I believe so that they can be in this room with us. Mm-hmm. And there's a place at the table. There's extra name tags yeah. to write names on. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's good. That's awesome. Um, to go along with, uh, with Everyone Matters, um, these group of guys up here, um, not one of us are perfect. And so I can see a I can see a, an issue or a problem and and look at it and, and give my suggestion, but we each look from a different viewpoint at that same problem, and and bring those concerns and, and look at blind spots for each other, and so that's that's the beautiful part of how uh, we can we can work together in unity and in love, and so out of Ephesians four, verse fifteen it says, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And so what, that, what that's saying to me is, uh, if, we're, if we're part of the body and, and Christ is the head of us, we're just the, the parts that work that out. But if I'm, I'm in opposition to or in uh, a disagreement with another part of the body, um, does that mean I get to, you know, shun Cody and say, well, he's, we're just not going to use him today. We're, we're going to work around him. And my left leg just is going to be limping along here. That's not going to work. And so in that process, we have to work out a few things in, in our discussions of, of how we're going to go through this in unity and in love. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so that works out on a, on a daily basis in our own families. That works out on a, on a sure. weekly basis about how we interact with each other and do life with each other. And so if, if I'm holding a grudge against someone, that's not going to go very good for me. It's not going to go very good for the body. And just like what Jonathan was saying, you don't have to think and act like me for us to be part of the same body. That's right. As long as we have the, the basics together of saying, hey, Christ is our head. And, and, and in my own family, I didn't say this earlier, but in, in my own family, we, we have a spinal issue and we have rib issues. Okay? <laughs> if the spine's broken, we're in trouble. But if we have a rib broken, I can limp along with a broken rib, okay? So as long as Christ is the head, that's a spinal issue, as Christ is our head, and we can work out of that in, in, in unity and love, I can, I can go along with somebody who thinks a little bit differently about gifts of the Spirit or baptism or things like that or a different denominational belief is a broken rib issue for me. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Cool. That's good, man. That's good. Um, we were talking about sacrifice, and uh, what I came up with was inconvenienced. Um, uh, it's not a, it's not something we aspire toward. Hey, I want to sacrifice my life today. Hey, I want to, you know. Um, uh, Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and give His life as a ransom for many. Uh, he's an example for us. I talk about about sacrifice of the one for the benefit of the many. You know, the, the ramifications of Christ coming and laying his life down had, had uh, just massive repercussions for each and every one of us. How do we do the same? How do we put on Christ? How do we uh, live out that Christ-likeness 
And then on top of that, uh, maybe speak to what are some of the, the benefits for the body? What are some of the benefits for the many? How does that play out? Well, I'm going to try to be really quick on this one because my 15-year-old texted me saying that Todd and I took up too much of everybody else's time. <laughs> you can always leave it to your kid to be frank with you. Um, you know, I think, the key, I think the key to this question is it starts with perspective. If, if we go about our daily lives and our daily walk and whatever our jobs are and interacting with our family and our friends and our perspective is based on the things of this world and our current circumstances and how we can uh, improve those or, or whether it's a health issue you're dealing with or a job situation or a relationship issue or whatever it is, if your perspective is born out of those circumstances, then your impact is going to be limited or minimal or, or, or non-existent, your impact for the kingdom. Um, if your perspective is that the things of this world are temporary, that uh, there is an eternal hope in God and that God can work things out even when we can't see them and no matter what the circumstances are, then it becomes a lot easier to sacrifice the things that we have, whether it's our time, whether it's our, our finances, whatever that may be. Um, knowing that that sacrifice is not limited in scope, it's not limited to the things that uh, this world says are important and can control, but that it can have an eternal impact. And if we go about our day-to-day -day interactions and relationships with each other, uh, knowing that there are eternal consequences to those actions and those decisions and those words, then I think that's where it starts. That's good. Short enough, Sam? Sure. <laughs> I'm gonna outdo your dad. Uh, really, it comes down to, to me, the serving others, being outside yourself, is how do you see yourself? How do you see God? Is God good or is yeah. God bad? Is God for me? Is God against me? And second, is my life here, am I going to see it from a, a, a worldly, temporal perspective mm -hmm. or a spiritual, eternal perspective? Yeah. Yeah. And I promise you, mm -hmm. at the root of how God created us, we are spiritual beings eternal. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah, there's this small phrase that I think uh, umbrellas a lot of Paul's teachings uh, through Scripture, and, and it's, it's three words, and it's discern the body. And uh, when we discern the body, it means a lot of times we're, we're putting aside what, uh, what might speak to me the most because I know someone else might need this more. Mm -hmm. And so uh, as, as someone who, who my previous experience was, I, I was a worship pastor for eight years, so I'm going to use an example of worship, but it's, it's a very broad spectrum. But uh, when, when we come into this room and uh, Todd is in this great mood of celebration and Jason is in this mood of lament for where he's at in his life right now. And the, the song that Barry starts singing is this high praise celebration song. We have to be in a place in our lives where we can discern the body and Jason can say, I might not be there right now, but I know Todd is. And so I can worship with him. Yeah. right now, yeah. or vice versa. Let's say we start singing uh, It Is Well With My Soul, a song of great lament and loss. And Todd say, man, I'm not there right now, but I know where Jason is right now. And so I can hold his arms up and I can sing with him for this song, even though that's not where I am 
yep. right now. And so a lot of times we come into this room and we want to know what, what can I take yeah. from this today? And that's, and that's half of it, of, of how can I be filled today? But the other half of that is how can I pour in to others today as well? And so when we discern the body, we take what we've been filled with and we use it to hold up the arms of others. And so what season we're in, sometimes we have to enter into someone else's season out of sacrifice uh, to be the body of Christ that Dan talked about, the spine with the ribs. We discern the body uh, out, of, out of wisdom and how to do that. Yeah, that's right. Paul yeah. would say, think more of others than yourself. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Um, I was just thinking about how we walk it out and um, over the last five years, I've been kind of off and on in children's ministry and there's many Wednesday nights that I want to call Beth after I get home from work and go, I'm out, Beth, I'm real tired. <laughs> and I've maybe done that once or so, but it's also, I know that there's kids here in this church on Wednesday night and on Sunday morning that are gonna be the next generation uh, in, in churches and they're gonna be leading the church one day. Uh, and they're the next, I remember seeing a picture one time, we were all praying as elders, at, just kind of praying as we closed. I saw this picture of these kids sitting in this, in this floor and it was like, it was another David and Isaiah and a Ruth and, and all these, these kids. And it was like, these are, these are the godly people that are coming up next and we, we need to be sewn into them and calling that out of them. And so I think a lot of it is, what are you gifted at? Mm-hmm. What has God gifted you at? Mm-hmm. Use that. I can be crazy and funny and get in front of kids and act like a three-year-old real easy. That's yeah. just natural to me. <laughs> and if you know me very well, you know it is. And so I use that. I come, have fun with kids, play gaga ball, be a sports bully, and try to beat everybody and have fun. But then we get to lead worship and we get to talk about God, which I also love. Yeah. You know, so maybe just what is it in your life that God has given you uh, I don't know. I mean, just think about that, pray about that. And then how can you use that to serve here in the body? And how can you use that to also serve wherever you are, uh, maybe at work or in, in the town somewhere? Yeah. Hey, Dan, first service, you shared something really profound. I, I, hopefully that's where you're going. But Which um, part? I've left, I've well, yeah, which part? But no, just kind of jumping off on that, using your gifts and, uh, and awesome. just um, jumping up. So, guys, y'all don't know how hard it is to do this twice. Um, <laughs> I, yeah. There's things I'm like, oh, I meant to say this, and then you get a chance, and you're going, flubbed it again. <laughs> so um, the, the mechanism that Crossroads has in place right now, if, you, if you're brand new here or if you've been coming here for 10 years, uh, there's 101, 201, and 301. And so the staff puts that on and encourages you to do some self-introspection about, hey, what are your gifts? What are you good at? If you're not good at playing gaga ball with Cody, you're good at something, I guarantee you, because God's given you that gift, yeah. okay? And so we need you in this body to be working with you. We don't want you just to show up, attend, and then get out of here as fast as you can because that's not doing life with you. We want to do life with you. We want to be in relationship with you. We want to know you as a person the best we can. Now, I can't know every last one of you. Nobody can but we can work together in certain areas where we get to know each other better, mm-hmm. okay? And so if we're just showing up and attending and punching that, that box or checking that box or whatever, and then we don't show back up and meet with anybody else, 
or have anything else to do with the Lord all week long and we just do it again another Sunday, that's, that's pretty anemic. That, that's pretty lacking in, in how I'm walking out my faith. Would you agree? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in that process, don't hide. That's, that's me challenging you. Don't hide because you can show up and hide now. You can come with the first service and not know anybody from the second service at all. And so the challenge in that would be use your gifts where you can. If, if that means sacrificing and helping out on a Wednesday night or something like that, or sacrificing and helping out with CR or, or Celebrate Recovery or Embrace Grace or something like that, if that's your gift, man, use it. Get after it. If there's something you're called to, and, and I used this, this analogy earlier, uh, my wife has a giving problem. And, and, and without restraint, man, there's problems there. <laughs> but... But, in, but that, that healthy tension's there, right? And so when the Lord's telling her something and the Lord's telling me something, um, it's like a Reese's peanut butter cup. You put that chocolate and that peanut butter together and it's a good thing. <laughs> and, and just look out because it's, it's going to be really cool. And, yeah. and it's going to be better than what I could muster up myself. Yeah. Okay, so if I'm doing things just under my own power and it's all I, that's all I'm trying to achieve, that's going to fall short of what the Lord's got for me. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to shoot for things that are harder than what I can do myself. Yeah. Is, is that okay challenge? Yeah. Okay, and so we need help. <laughs> we need help in children's ministry. We need help in youth. We need help for people that are wanting to do financial freedom, like Financial Peace University. We need, we need those kinds of people to step up to go, hey, I know how to talk about this. Yeah. I, I've, I've got a testimony of, of this, that, or the other, whatever it is. Everybody's got a testimony, and that's how we overcome the enemy is the, the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's out of Re- Revelations 11. If you want to go check that one out. So don't trust me on it. Go find it, right? <laughs> yeah. So um, in those processes, we want you to engage. It's not time to sit back. It's time to get in. Hey, um, plan off of that, and I'll get some of these other guys to comment in a few minutes that we have left, but... Uh, um, you mentioned kind of the perfectionist side first, sir. Oh, that was Todd? That was Todd. Okay. Well, we talked about well, I, I totally agreed with it because I, I lived yeah. it. Yeah. Well, but the perfectionist and then, or the inadequacy that we feel, you know, there's all sorts of stuff swirling around in practical outworking of this, um, you know, uh, everything in between. Um, sometimes uh, we talked about uh, uh, paralysis by analysis. Uh, unless I do it absolutely right, or on the other side, I'm, I'm inadequate. So how does it play out here at Crossroads? You want to like talk to that? Well, if on the perfectionist side, I'm, it takes one to know one, right? And so in that process, I'm, I'm recovering from that, knowing that if I get it just right, then I can show up and, and be a part of. Yeah. That's a lie, guys. That's right. Um, the truth says I'm, I'm made in the image of God. I've got some gifts that he's given me, and I need to walk them out to the best of my ability, and I'm going to mess it up. Just plain and simple. I'm going to miss it sometimes. Is it okay if I hear from the Lord and I think I know what he, he wants me to do and I take a step in the right direction and I fail? Is that, is that permissible? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that's right. And so in, in the way that you walk that out in your daily lives and the way I walk that out in my daily life, um, I need to be able to fail forward, listening to the Lord well and trying. Okay? And so that's what we do well for each other on, on certain, certain issues uh, we look out and go, uh, you may want to think about this and, and, and be in those blind spot spotters, right? But me trying to be good enough or perfect enough and then I can show up and serve the Lord, that's not attainable. 
Right. And, and, the, and the enemy's going to try to hit you with every dart he can as you try to take that first step. Yeah. The, the other side of that, what we talked about in the first service was, on the one hand, there are, uh, there's a shield, and there's darts coming our way to keep us from walking out the plans and purposes that God has for us. Very clear. Uh, what we talked about in the first service was sometimes we don't step out in the things that, that we really know God's called us to because we think our past and our inadequacies is going to disqualify us from being part of the, the army of God. Mm-hmm. That's a lie. On the other side, sometimes our perfectionism, some of us have perfectionism that says, I can't step out until I know it's going to be perfect. And that's both sides of, of uh, what I believe a way that Satan uh, uh, tempts us not to move forward. Mm-hmm. That's good. Any final words? Anyone? Want to... What I take away from it is it's messy, right? Life is just kind of messy. And that's okay. That's okay. And I think that was the, the endearing thing coming here to Crossroads eight years ago was, you know, I can be myself. Uh, you can be yourself. Um, and surprisingly, God still loves you. You know, surprisingly, God still wants to use you. Um, I heard a, a saying one time from somebody else that goes, um, it's okay not to be okay. Yeah. Right? It's not okay to stay there. And there's that dis- discipleship trying to, right. to get to a point of where I'm not getting tripped over the same thing every time. Yeah. Okay? And so if, if someone has a perfectionistic issue and... Or, or the, the other way of going, I, I just can't get anything right. Mm-hmm. Um, either one of those things, it's okay to be where you're at. Mm-hmm. It's just not okay to just be complacent and stay there. What's the Lord have you challenged into for excellence? Where's, where's that coming from? And, and what, who's, who's sharpening you? Yeah. Who, who are you hanging around with as far as a, a life group or a, a community group? Or, or mm-hmm. who are you doing lunch with today to go and sharpen up against? To, to let inside your little shell, right? I used to call it my Yeti cooler, right? I have the Yeti, Yeti cooler, nothing's getting inside this thing, yeah. right? <laughs> you laugh, but I'm being serious. Yeah. Lock it down. And so in that process, who will I, who will I allow to let in to, to, to okay. know my heart as a, as a person and, and to do life with and to trust? And I think some of that starts here and some of the other people outside of Crossroads Church that's part of the body and that's healthy. Is that okay? That's great. Yeah. I, uh, I forgot to introduce these guys, uh, Cody Wadsworth, Dan Mallory, Jason Wren, uh, Jonathan Ross, Todd Parks. Uh, these are our elders, and uh, let's just show our appreciation, all right? Let's thank you. Thank you, guys. Yeah. And... Uh, Let's all stand. I'm going to invite our elders and, and our, the rest of our altar team, if you guys wouldn't mind coming up to the front, and we're going to ask the worship team to come up. We're going to dismiss in just a moment. Um, I was reminded just even as we're talking and just the messiness of it all and that, and the reminder, I heard this a few weeks back, is you know that um, we get into this whole thing when we, we make mistakes is we... Um, repent and we ask for someone's forgiveness and then they forgive us. That's kind of the model we have. That's messed up with God because we need to remember the forgiveness comes before the repentance. Did you get that? God has forgiven us. God has paid the price for our sin through his son, Jesus Christ. 
Forgiveness happens first. Repentance comes after. That's our response. That's, that's the heart of the Father. Broken, crushed, with compassion because we're harassed and helpless. We live in a broken world. Things don't work right. God has a solution. That's his son, Jesus. Uh, you might be here this morning and, uh, and on one end of the spectrum, it's, uh, yeah, let's make it happen. And God's identifying some things in your life and uh, invite you to come forward for prayer and just uh, affirm and confirm how God wants to use you. Um, you might not ha- have all the, the plan and the check boxes ready to go. I'd encourage you to throw that out anyways. But uh, approach him just with, what's next, Lord? What's next? At the same time, that, that message, everyone matters. Um, you've been here week after week, and that's resonating in your heart. Uh, I invite you to come for ministry too. And just have uh, someone here at the front just pray that blessing over you. You matter to God. You are created in his image. You belong. And he's got a plan and a purpose for your life. And it begins right here today, right now. Uh, So if we can provide some ministry for you, we'd love to do that. I'm going to uh, pray a benediction. uh, But don't leave this place. uh, If the Lord's speaking to you and you uh, need someone to pray with you. At the same time, if you need some healing, we believe that God is a God who heals physically who heals mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and we invite you to come and receive ministry as well. I look forward to seeing you tonight at 6 o'clock for worship, another time of of spending in His presence. But as it's our tradition, we love to uh, send you off with a blessing. If you'd extend your hands, I'll extend mine, and I'll dismiss us. And the Lord uh, bless you and keep you. Now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. In this messed up world and with these messed up lives, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations now and forevermore. And everyone said, amen, amen. God bless you. Come forward if we can provide some ministry to you.